Chapter 7 of Old Wells Dug Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Old Wells Dug Out by Thomas Talmage. Chapter 7 Gospel Archery. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Genesis 10.9 In our day, hunting is a sport, but in the lands and the times infested of wild beasts, it was a matter of life and death with the people. It was very different from going out on a sunshiny afternoon with a patent breech-loader to shoot reed birds on the flats, when Pollux and Achilles and Diomedes went out to clear the land of lions and tigers and bears. My text sets forth Nimrod as a hero, when it presents him with broad shoulders and shaggy apparel and sun-browned face and arm bunched with muscle, a mighty hunter before the Lord. I think he used the bow and the arrows with great success, practicing archery. I have thought if it is such a grand thing and such a brave thing to clear wild beasts out of a country— if it is not a better and braver thing to hunt down and destroy those great evils of society that are stalking the land with a fierce eye, and bloody paw, and sharp tusk, and quick spring. I have wondered if there is not such a thing as gospel archery, by which those who have been flying from the truth may be captured for God and heaven. The Lord Jesus, in his sermon, used the art of angling for an illustration when he said, I will make you fishers of men. And so I think I have authority for using hunting as an illustration of gospel truth. And I pray God that there may be many a man in this congregation who shall begin to study gospel archery, of whom it may after a while be said, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. How much awkward Christian work there is done in the world! How many good people there are who drive souls away from Christ instead of bringing them to him. All their fingers are thumbs, religious blunderers who upset more than they write. Their gun has a crooked barrel and kicks as it goes off. They are like a clumsy comrade who goes along with skillful hunters. At the very moment he ought to be most quiet, he is crackling an alder or falling over a log and frightening away the game. How few Christian people have ever learned the lesson of which I read at the beginning of this service. How that the Lord Jesus Christ at the well went from talking about a cup of water to the most practical religious truths which won the woman's soul for God. Jesus in the wilderness was breaking bread to the people. I think it was very good bread. It was very light bread, and the yeast had done its work thoroughly. Christ, after he had broken the bread, said to the people, Beware of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees. So natural a transition it was, and how easily they all understood him. But how few Christian people there are who understand how to fasten the truths of God and religion to the souls of men. Truman Osborne, one of the evangelists who went through this country some years ago, had a wonderful art in the right direction. He came to his father's house one day, and while we were all seated in the room, he said, 
Mr. Talmage, are all your children Christians? Father said, Yes, all but DeWitt. Then Truman Osborne looked down into the fireplace and began to tell a story of a storm that came on the mountains, and all the sheep were in the fold. But there was one lamb outside that perished in the storm. Had he looked me in the eye, I should have been angered when he told that story. But he looked into the fireplace, and it was so pathetically and beautifully done that I never found any peace until I was sure I was inside the fold where the other sheep are. The archers of olden times studied their art. They were very precise in the matter. The old books gave especial directions as to how an archer should go and as to what an archer should do. He must stand erect and firm, his left foot a little in advance of the right foot. With his left hand he must take hold of the bow in the middle, and then with the three fingers and thumb of his right hand he should lay hold of the arrow and affix it to the string. So precise was the direction given. But how clumsy we are about religious work! How little skill and care we exercise! How often our arrows miss the mark! Oh, that there were lay colleges established in all towns and cities of our land where men might learn the art of doing good, studying spiritual archery and known as mighty hunters before the Lord. In the first place, if you want to be effectual in doing good, you must be very sure of your weapon. There was something very fascinating about the archery of olden times. Perhaps you do not know what they could do with the bow and arrow. Why, the chief battles fought by the English Plantagenets were with a long bow. They would take the arrow of polished wood and feather it with the plume of a bird, and then it would fly from the bowstring of plated silk. The bloody fields of Agincourt and Solway Moss and Neville's Cross heard the loud thrum of the archer's bowstring. Now, my Christian friends, we have a mightier weapon than that. It is the arrow of the gospel. It is a sharp arrow, it is a straight arrow, it is feathered from the wing of the dove of God's spirit. It flies from a bow made out of the wood of the cross. As far as I can estimate or calculate, it has brought down three hundred millions of souls. Paul knew how to bring the notch of that arrow on to the bowstring, and its whir was heard through the Corinthian theatres, and through the courtroom until the knees of Felix knocked together. It was that arrow that stuck in Luther's heart when he cried out, Oh, my sins! Oh, my sins! If it strike a man in the head, it kills his skepticism. If it strikes him in the heel, it will turn his step. If it strike him in the heart, he throws up his hands as did one of old when wounded in the battle, crying, Oh, Galilean, thou hast conquered! In the armory of the Earl of Pembroke, there are old corselets which show that the arrow of the English used to go through the breastplate, through the body of the warrior, and out through the backplate. What a symbol of that gospel which is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder of soul and body, and of the joints and marrow! Would to God we had more faith in that gospel! The humblest man in this house if he had enough faith in it, could bring a hundred souls to Jesus, perhaps five hundred. 
just in proportion as this age seems to believe less and less in it i believe more and more in it what are men about that they will not accept their own deliverance there is nothing proposed by men that can do anything like this gospel the religion of ralph waldo emerson is the philosophy of icicles the religion of theodore parker was a sirocco of the desert covering up the soul with dry sand the religion of renan is the romance of believing nothing the religion of thomas carlyle is only a condensed london fog the religion of the huxleys and the spencers is merely a pedestal on which human philosophy sits shivering in the night of the soul looking up to the stars offering no help to the nations that crouch and groan at its base tell me where there is a man who has rejected that gospel for another who is thoroughly satisfied and helped and contented in his scepticism and i will take the car to-morrow and ride five hundred miles to see him <laughs> the full power of the gospel has not yet been touched as a sportsman throws up his hand and catches the ball flying through the air just so easily will this gospel after a while catch this round world flying from its orbit and bring it back to the heart of christ give it full swing and it will pardon every sin heal every wound cure every trouble emancipate every slave and ransom every nation ye christian men and women who go out this afternoon to do christian work as you go into the sunday schools and the lay preaching stations and the penitentiaries and the asylums i want you to feel that you bear in your hand a weapon compared with which the lightning has no speed and the avalanches have no heft and the thunderbolts of heaven have no power it is the arrow of the omnipotent gospel take careful aim pull the arrow clear back until the head strikes the bow then let it fly and may the slain of the lord be many again if you want to be skilful in spiritual archery you must bunt in unfrequented and secluded places why does the hunter go three or four days in the pennsylvania forests or over paquette lake into the wilds of the adirondacks it is the only way to do the deer are shy and one bang of the gun clears the forest from the california stage you see as you go over the plains here and there a coyote trotting along almost within range of the gun sometimes quite within range of it no one cares for that it is worthless the good game is hidden and secluded every hunter knows that so many of the souls that will be of most worth for christ and of most value to the church are secluded they do not come in your way you will have to go where they are yonder they are down in that cellar yonder they are up in that garret far away from the door of any church the gospel arrow has not been pointed at them the tract distributor and the city missionary sometimes just catch a glimpse of them as a hunter through the trees gets a momentary sight of a partridge or roebuck the trouble is we are waiting for the game to come to us we are not good hunters we are standing on montague street and shimmerhorn street expecting that the timid antelope will come up and eat out of our hand we are expecting that the prairie fowl will light on our church steeple it is not their habit 
if the church should wait ten millions of years for the world to come in and be saved it will wait in vain the world will not come what the church wants now is to lift its feet from damask ottomans and put them in stirrups the church wants not so much cushions as it wants saddlebags and arrows we have got to put aside the gown and the kid gloves and put on the hunting shirt we want a pulpit on wheels we have been fishing so long in the brooks that run under the shadow of the church that the fish know us and they avoid the hook and escape as soon as we come to the bank while yonder is upper saranac and big tupper's lake where the first swing of the gospel net would break it for the multitude of fishes there is outside work to be done what is it that i see in the backwoods it is a tent the hunters have made a clearing and camped out what do they care if they have wet feet or if they have nothing but a pine branch for a pillow or for the northeast storm if a moose in the darkness steps into the lake to drink they hear it right away if a loon cry in the midnight they hear it so in the service of god we have exposed work we have got to camp out and rough it we are putting all our care on the forty thousand people in brooklyn who they say come to church what are we doing for the three hundred and sixty thousand that do not come have they no souls are they sinless and they need no pardon are there no dead in their houses that they need no comfort are they cut off from god and go into eternity no wing to bear them no light to cheer them no welcome to greet them i hear today surging up from that lower depth of brooklyn a groan that comes through our christian assemblages and through our beautiful churches and it blots out all this scene from my eyes today as by the mists of a great niagara for the dash and the plunge of these great torrents of life dropping down into the fathomless and thundering abysm of suffering and woe i sometimes think that just as god blotted out the churches of thyatira and corinth and laodicea because of their sloth and stolidity he will blot out american and english christianity and raise on the ruins a stalwart wide-awake missionary church that can take full meaning of that command go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth shall not be damned a command you see punctuated with a throne of heaven and a dungeon of hell i remark further if you want to succeed in spiritual archery you must have courage if the hunter stands with trembling hand or shoulder that flinches with fear instead of his taking the catamount the catamount takes him what would become of the greenlander if when out hunting for the bear he should stand shivering with terror on an iceberg what would have become of du chalou and livingston in the african thicket with a faint heart and a weak knee when a panther comes within twenty paces of you and has its eye on you and it has squatted for the fearful spring steady there courage o ye spiritual archers there are great monsters of iniquity prowling all around about the community shall we not in the strength of god go forth and combat them we not only need more heart but more backbone 
what is the church of god that it should fear to look in the eye any transgression there is the bengal tiger of drunkenness that prowls around and instead of attacking it how many of us hide under the church pew or the communion table there is so much invested in it that we are afraid to assault it millions of dollars in barrels and vats and spigots and corkscrews in gin palaces with marble floors and italian top tables and chased ice coolers and in the strychnine and the logwood and the tartaric acid and the nous vomica that go to make up our pure american drinks i looked with wondering eyes on the heidelberg tun it is the great liquor vat of germany which is said to hold eight hundred hogsheads of wine and only three times in a hundred years it has been filled but as i stood and looked at it i said to myself that is nothing eight hundred hogsheads why our american vat holds five million two hundred thousand barrels of strong drinks and we keep two hundred thousand men with nothing to do but to see that it is filled oh to attack this great monster of intemperance and the kindred monsters of fraud and uncleanness requires you to rally all your christian courage through the press through the pulpit through the platform you must assault it would to god that all our american christians would band together not for crack-brained fanaticism but for holy christian reform i think it was in seventeen ninety three that there went out from lucknow india under the sovereign and greatest hunting party that was ever projected there were ten thousand armed men in that hunting party there were camels and horses and elephants on some princes rode and royal ladies under exquisite housings and five hundred coolies waited upon the train and the desolate places of india were invaded by this excursion and the rhinoceros and deer and elephant fell under the stroke of the sabre and bullet after a while the party brought back trophies worth fifty thousand rupees having left the wilderness of india ghastly with the slain bodies of wild beasts would to god that instead of here and there a straggler going out to fight these great monsters of iniquity in our country the millions of membership of our churches would band together and hew in twain these great crimes that make the land frightful with their roar and are fattening upon the bodies and souls of immortal men who is ready for such a party as that who will be a mighty hunter for the lord i remark again if you want to be successful in spiritual archery you need not only to bring down the game but bring it in i think one of the most beautiful pictures of thorwaldsen is his autumn it represents a sportsman coming home and standing under a grapevine he has a staff over his shoulder and on the other end of that staff are hung a rabbit and a brace of birds every hunter brings home the game no one would think of bringing down a reindeer or whipping up a stream for trout and letting them lie in the woods at eventide the camp is adorned with the treasures of the forest beak and fin and antler if you want to go out to hunt for immortal souls not only bring them down under the arrow of the gospel but bring them into the church of god the grand home and encampment we have pitched this side of the skies fetch them in do not let them lie out in the open field they need our prayers and sympathies and help 
That is the meaning of the church of God. Help. O ye hunters for the Lord, not only bring down the game, but bring it in. If Mithridates liked hunting so well that for seven years he never went indoors, what enthusiasm ought we to have who are hunting for immortal souls? If Domitian practiced archery until he could stand a boy down in the Roman amphitheater with a hand out, the fingers apart like that, and then the king could shoot an arrow between the fingers without wounding them, to what drill and what practice ought not we to subject ourselves in order to become spiritual archers and mighty hunters before the Lord? But let me say you will never work any better than you pray. The old archers took the bow, put one end of it down beside the foot, elevated the other end, and it was the rule that the bow should be just the size of the archer. If it were just his size, then he would go into battle with confidence. Let me say that your power to project good in the world will correspond exactly to your own spiritual stature. In other words, the first thing in preparation for Christian work is personal consecration. Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light to shine upon the road that leads me to the Lamb. I am sure that there are some here who at some time have been hit by the gospel arrow. You felt the wound of that conviction, and you plunged into the world deeper, just as the stag, when the hounds are after it, plunges into Scroon Lake, expecting in that way to escape. Jesus Christ is on your track today, O impenitent man, not in wrath, but in mercy. O ye chaste and panting souls, here is the stream of God's mercy and salvation where you may cool your thirst. Stop that chase of sin today. By the red fountain that leaped from the heart of my Lord, I bid you stop. There is mercy for you, mercy that pardons, mercy that heals, everlasting mercy. Is there in all this house anyone who can refute the offer that comes from the heart of the dying Son of God? Why do you know that there are in the banished world souls that for that offer you get today would fling the crown of the universe at your feet if they possessed it? But they went out on the mountains, and the storm took them, and they died. There is in a forest in Germany a place called the deer leap, two crags about eighteen yards apart, between them a fearful chasm. This is called the deer leap because once a hunter was on the track of a deer, it came to one of these crags. There was no escape from it, from the pursuit of the hunter, and in utter despair it gathered itself up and in the death agony attempted to jump across. Of course it fell and was dashed on the rocks far beneath. Here is a path to heaven. It is plain. It is safe. Jesus marks it out for every man to walk in. But here is a man who says, I won't walk in that path. I will take my own way. He comes on up until he confronts the chasm that divides his soul from heaven. Now his last hour has come, and he resolves that he will leap that chasm from the heights of earth to the heights of heaven. Stand back now, and give him full swing, for no soul ever did that successfully. 
let him try jump jump he misses the mark and he goes down depth below destroyed without remedy men angels devils what shall we call that place of awful catastrophe let it be known forever as the sinner's death leap End of chapter 7